Monday, November 12th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from a very cool Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday. We discuss the world of sports with a dose of common sense. We'd much rather just laugh at a lot of the sports world instead of taking it so insanely seriously. And we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Monday to you. And we do have to say this. Happy Veterans Day to all of those veterans out there that are listening right now that have served our country. Hey, you make the world a better place. We couldn't do anything that we do in this country without your service. We want to thank all of the veterans today for your service. It is truly appreciated. Thank you all for heroically defending our right to complain about pretty much everything because all we do as a country right now, it feels like, is pretty much whine about everything. But hey, we have that right because you fought for that right. You defended that right. And we thank you for that. And I know a lot of the stuff that we whine about is menial things that most countries would kill to have. That's just kind of how we roll in these United States of America. Happy Veterans Day to all of those out there who have served. Make sure you thank a veteran today for their service. It is truly appreciated. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com or go over to Facebook or Twitter and find us over there. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you've got a list. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you have a suggestion for the show. We do get a number of those. We have a number of people reach out, heard from someone last week, asked for something they wanted to hear about the NFL this week. Never fear. We're going to have that for them this week. And hey, it doesn't have to be a national story. Maybe you're saying, well, I've got a question or I've got a comment. I have something that I would like to say to Clint there at the Daily Dose but I'm not sure it's a big enough story. Don't worry about it. Bring it. We will always be sure to answer you and we just might end up using it on the show, but we would love to hear from you. The best part about doing this Daily Dose, and I've said this since we started, we have smart listeners. And as a result, I get intelligent questions. I don't get dumb questions. I don't get dumb feedback. I know I'm spoiled in that regard, but we have smart listeners. And as a result, we want to hear what it is you have to say. Hey, today on the show, like we do on most Mondays, We spent all weekend watching sports and there were a number of things to watch and we don't just want to watch and gain nothing from it. We're always hoping to learn something. I think that's the biggest thing you've got to kind of do in life. You've got to continue to learn. You've got to continue to have that thirst for knowledge. We have that thirst for knowledge here at the Daily Dose. And over the weekend, we were able to learn a number of things from the world of sports. You know what was interesting about this weekend was that While there were a number of good games to watch, there was a lot of things that were happening off of the field of play, outside of the court of play, that were still very, very interesting to watch and learn from. We learned a lot from this weekend in sports. Let's jump right in and let's start in the NFL, where we learned that the former New England Patriots got a little bit of revenge against their former team. On Sunday, I didn't expect it. I didn't think it would happen. But the New England Patriots went to Nashville where the Tennessee Titans now have both running back Deion Lewis, former Patriot, and cornerback Malcolm Butler, former Patriot. And the Titans came out and handed it to the Patriots. They get a convincing 34-10 win. They held New England's offense to just 284 total yards. And you just know this win 
had to be particularly sweet for Butler and for Lewis. But here is the more important question that I guess I have. Are the New England Patriots starting to show some flaws there? Because it kind of feels like maybe, I don't know, they're showing more flaws than we're used to seeing. Hey, it's no longer September. It's no longer October. It's now November, and it's mid-November. Like, it's not November 1st. We're almost halfway through the month. It's almost Thanksgiving. I'm not going to say that the Patriots are out of it by any means or start counting them out. Let's start throwing dirt on the Patriots. No, no, no. But we do see some flaws on this team. That receiving core, tight ends, wide receivers, they're still not very good. That running game is very inconsistent. When it's good, sometimes it looks okay. But I mean, on Sunday, they managed just 40 yards rushing. So you're asking your quarterback and those wide receivers to do an awful lot because you're getting nothing from your run game. The pass rush is significantly below average. And that might be the part that would be scaring me the most if I'm a Patriots fan. On Sunday, the New England Patriots managed to sack Marcus Mariota twice. Now you say, well, twice. Sacks are overrated anyways. If they got him twice, but they hit him eight to 10 times, then who cares? Sacks are overrated. That's not that big of a deal. Here's the problem. That was the only two hits they registered all day. So not only did you not sack him, again, that is overrated. You didn't hit him. You hit him twice the entire day. Did he even have to launder his jersey after the game? And here is another alarming thing for the New England Patriots. Tom Brady, uh, I'm not saying he's done, but he might be starting to show his age a little. He completed just 50% of his passes? For Tom Brady, that's a big thing. He's usually a 65 percentage guy. Only 50% on Sunday? And then, of course, there was that stumbling, falling down reception that ended up being just short of the first down, if you didn't see it. The New England Patriots ran some sort of reverse where they ended up throwing it to Brady, and then he has it. He's going to get the first down, but he can't get his feet under him. He stumbles, he falls, and comes up just short. In fact, here's a clip from CBS. Left foot forward for Brady. Waits on the snap and he takes it. He starts to his left, flips it to Edelman, who throws it right for Brady. Makes the catch, stumbles at the 40, and he dives close to the first down marker with Woodyard covering up for Tennessee. And Tom Brady makes the catch on the reverse and then the wide receiver pass, but he stumbled toward the first down marker, unable to get there. Titans take over. Can I just ask a question? Please, someone tell me. Why in the world do Josh McDaniels and the New England Patriots keep insisting on throwing passes to Tom Brady? Like, it never works. I know you think you're being tricky. I know you think no one will see this coming. He's not that guy. He's never been that guy. Just stop it already. Is that seriously the best option that the Patriots offense has to have success? Throw it to the least athletic guy out on the football field. That's how you're going to beat teams. You did it in the Super Bowl. You do it again yesterday. You have Julian Edelman. You have Josh Gordon. You have Chris Hogan. You have Rob Gronkowski, although, yes, he's kind of a beat-up former image of Rob Gronkowski. But you still have Gronk, 
And Josh McDaniels is saying, you know where we could really have success today? On a key down and distance, when we really need a big play, let's throw a pass to Tom Brady. We'll really show off his underrated athleticism. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. That might not be the best use of the resources you have at hand. I'm pretty sure when we look back at this era in NFL history, we're not going to say, you know, that Brady was a pretty good passer, but I'll tell you what, he was really, really good at that whole catch and run thing. Why in the world do they keep going to this? I don't understand it. Stop trying to be tricky. Let Brady do what he does best. Let him throw the football and attack defenses. I know the Patriots offense is struggling right now. I'm not sure throwing passes to Tommy is going to cure everything. Hey, coming back, we still have a ton to get to in the NFL. I am absolutely done talking about one NFL player. And we saw a major NFL injury take place on Friday. You know, we've got to talk about that. And could we have a new contender in the college football Heisman race? Got a lot to still get to today on The Dose. So let's continue with what we learned from the weekend in sports because there was a lot to be learned out there. And one of the things that I learned was that the Atlanta Falcons, they're not quite ready to assert themselves as a playoff contender. And I really, I thought they were. I thought they were going to start making that move. It seemed like we were seeing the Falcons start to warm up. Matt Ryan and the offense were getting it going. We were starting to see Julio Jones caught a touchdown. We haven't seen that in a while. The defense, they were still a work in progress. They were still struggling, but hey, maybe they're going to get better. They signed Bruce Irvin. Maybe we're going to see them start improving. And then on Sunday, the Atlanta Falcons defense takes a huge step back. The Falcons lose to the Cleveland Browns 28-16. to And it's not that. It's the way they lost. Because I understand, hey, Cleveland is going out and they're playing every game like a playoff game. And I give them a ton of credit for that. But the way the Falcons lost to the Browns, you allow Browns rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield to throw for three touchdowns. That wasn't all. Rookie running back Nick Chubb rushes for 176 yards and a touchdown, including a 92-yard touchdown to set the record for the longest run in Cleveland Browns history. Think about the Browns history. That is going back to like Civil War era. Nick Chubb sets the record for the longest rush in Browns history. In fact, here is a clip of that run from Fox. Seems to me like he should have been working with the quarterbacks all along here. On second down, it's Chubb. Nick Chubb across the 40. One man to beat. Still going. Chubb will take this all the way. 92 yards for a Browns touchdown. The longest run in Cleveland Browns franchise history. You know, the Atlanta Falcons had rebounded from that rough start. They had battled back to 500. But when your defense allows 427 yards to the Browns and the offense is not blameless, the offense turns the ball over twice on the road, hey, you just might eliminate yourself from the postseason when you show up with a performance like that. That may be a game. We go back at the end of the year and say, man, the Falcons, they had some chances. They had their opportunities. Remember that Browns game though? Remember they just gave up that huge amount of offense to a Browns offense that they're not that good. 
yeah, that was the nail in the coffin for the Falcons. They may still battle back, but I think they've put themselves too far behind now. Falcons are in some trouble. Hey, the NFC is just too competitive. You can't do that this year. I'm not sure the Falcons are going to be able to make up enough ground after a loss like that. Staying in that same division out in the NFC South, we learned that the New Orleans Saints, yeah, they're still in need of a wide receiver. Because late Friday afternoon, newly signed free agent wideout Des Bryant blew his Achilles on just his second day of practice. Hey, I told you last week, I was concerned about Dez not so much being a distraction or being obnoxious in the locker room or being divisive in the locker room. I was worried about him being able to produce at a high level. Hey, the New Orleans Saints are playing at an insanely high level. Can Dez step in and match that level? I wasn't so sure. I didn't think he was going to be able to do that. They were looking to him to be maybe a second or third option, probably a number two wideout, but maybe a second or third option in that offense. He couldn't even get to the game. He couldn't even get through practice. And I know we always hear silly things from the media. We talk about those usually every week. But when they say things like, Des Bryant hasn't been playing for the last year, his body is going to be ready and fresh and he should be good to go, it's especially silly. The human body does not actually improve after the age of 30. Of course, now we're hearing about how the Saints were also really thinking about signing Brandon Marshall too, which doesn't it kind of strike you like just a little bit as when you see two girls at the bar and you're kind of drawn to maybe the blonde and you're like, oh man, she's really good looking. And then you kind of talk to him and they go, oh, the blonde has a boyfriend actually. And you go, oh, well, the brunette's good looking too. I'll take the brunette too. That's kind of where the Saints are at at this point. Because they will take whoever they can get because they ju- they're out of wide receivers. They don't have anyone else. They have Michael Thomas, and then they start throwing to running backs out of the backfield. They don't have anyone else to throw to. So they looked at Des Bryant. He's already blown a wheel. So now they go, well, Brandon Marshall is kind of attractive too. I guess we take Brandon Marshall. I, I don't know. What other options do we actually have? That is where the Saints are right now. By the way, the Saints, with or without Des Bryant, they just keep on rolling. They plow over the Cincinnati Bengals easily. And I know Cincinnati's defense is not that good. The game was in Cincinnati. I thought they'd put up somewhat of a fight. What do the Saints do? They go out and hang 50 on that Bengals offense and say, hey, Andy Dalton, if you can outduel Drew Brees, be our guest. We'll see if you've got enough. And of course he doesn't. You know one thing I'm starting to get seriously concerned about with the New Orleans Saints, and it sounds insane. I'm seriously worried. They're peaking too soon because right now the New Orleans Saints look like the best team in the NFL. And it is hard to maintain that over two, three months. And we've still got a long ways to go in this season. Don't peak too soon, Saints. You look really, really good. They look like they could be the class of the league. But I don't know that I want to be playing my best football in November. But wow, the New Orleans Saints are just playing so good right now. We also learned in the NFL that I personally, here on the Daily Dose, I am done talking about Pittsburgh Steelers holdout running back Le'Veon Bell. Until there's some actual news on this guy, I'm done. I don't have anything else to say about him. Now, we are hearing that Le'Veon Bell is unlikely to report to the team by Tuesday's deadline, which would make him ineligible to play for the rest of the season. 
Le'Veon Bell has already given up $8.5 million this year in his holdout because he has said he wants to preserve his body for a new contract next year. But every single week, it seems like we get some new news story about nothing. And nothing is changing and nothing is happening. Late last week, we started hearing, well, now someone went and read the fine print of the contract and it's looking to us like Bell doesn't even need to show up. He can just sit out the entire year like he said he was going to. Well, he said a lot of things. He said he was going to sit out the whole year. Then he said he was going to come back. Then he said he was going to come back later in the year. Now it sounds like he's not going to come back at all. There's no news on Le'Veon Bell. I'm done talking about him until something actually happens. And for all I know, that's not going to be until next year. That's the case. I don't care. I'm sick of talking about Le'Veon Bell. Meanwhile, the Steelers are getting better. James Conner looks like a workhorse back. He just goes out and does his job and produces every single week. Steelers are starting to warm up and get better. There's no reason for us to talk about Le'Veon Bell anymore. He's not even a player at this point. He's just a spectator. Moving on to college football. And you know, college football wasn't this great lineup of marquee matchups or anything like that this weekend, but we did still learn a number of things. And there were still some very interesting games out there. And one of the things that I learned from college football this week, I learned that Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray, he just might, might make a run at Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa for the Heisman Trophy. Because here's the thing about Tua Tagovailoa. I love that kid. But he keeps missing time. And Murray keeps putting up insane numbers. On Saturday, once again, Alabama rolls to an easy win. They blow out Mississippi State 24 to nothing. Just another blowout for the Crimson Tide. Nothing new there. Nothing to see there. But once again, Tua leaves the game after the third quarter because of that gimpy knee. When he leaves the game, he had a solid day. Nothing to feel bad about. He goes 14 to 21. He had 164 yards. He had one touchdown. He had one interception. And like I said, the Crimson Tide rolled easily. Wasn't a contest. Wasn't a close game. Tagovailoa absolutely did his job on Saturday. Took the rest of the day off. Went and rode on the exercise bike. He was good. But Murray's Oklahoma Sooners were in a shootout with Oklahoma State, which they finally did end up winning 48-47. to But look at Murray's numbers in that game. And I know it's against that Big 12 defense. What can you say? Kyler Murray goes 21 of 29 with 349 yards, one touchdown through the air, also had 66 yards rushing. Kyler Murray had over 400 total yards on Saturday. Can Murray make a run at this thing? Could he possibly win back-to-back Heismans for the University of Oklahoma? I don't know, but he has to start making a dent into Tua's lead because Tua isn't playing very much. When he's out there, he's very, very good, but we're not seeing him very much. If you look at their stats side-by-side, you'd say, well, this is Murray's easily. It just doesn't tell the whole story. Now, one concern I have about Kyler Murray and one concern I have about the Oklahoma Sooners is the fact that that defense is not very good. We saw it on Saturday. They're getting lit up. And sometimes it's not just about execution. Sometimes it almost looks like it's effort. I'm concerned about that 
Because if Oklahoma goes out, maybe loses to West Virginia, then I think Murray takes another step back. But as long as he's playing at a high level, I could see him going out and maybe getting a few Heisman votes. A couple other things I learned in college football. We learned that the Northwestern Wildcats are going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah, just like we all thought at the beginning of the season, right? Yes, Northwestern clinched bowl eligibility and the Big Ten West by beating Iowa on the road on Saturday. So it's going to be Northwestern, not Wisconsin, not Purdue or Nebraska or Iowa that will be playing either Michigan or Ohio State in that Big Ten title game. Hey, I don't know if Northwestern can hang with either Ohio State or Michigan. I strongly doubt it. But you've got to give head coach Pat Fitzgerald a ton of credit. Quarterback Clayton Thorson, he wasn't great on Saturday, but he has been very good this year. And Northwestern is going to be playing for the Big Ten title. That's pretty impressive stuff for a school that we don't really think of doing all that much athletically. We also learned in college football that head coach Bobby Petrino will not be quitting abruptly at Louisville anytime soon. Remember when he did that? When he was coaching the Atlanta Falcons? He just one day just up and said, hey, I quit. I think he like left a note in the locker room or some bizarre thing. Well, on Sunday morning, Louisville went ahead and fired Bobby Petrino. Louisville season has bottomed out. They now have a seven-game losing streak and a five-game losing streak in the ACC where they've lost by at least 18 points. A couple weeks ago, they lose to Clemson and gave up almost 80 On Saturday, they lose to Syracuse and give up 54. This isn't basketball. This is football. Bobby Petrino's second stint at Louisville, it has not gone the way his first one did. You know, that first time around, he went 41-9 and in four seasons at Louisville. Then he left and went to the Falcons for 10 games. Then all of a sudden just dropped the ball for them and left. But you know how sometimes you see a coach struggle and you see a guy and It's just not the right situation. Maybe he just can't get his players or he just can't quite find that winning combination. And you think, you know what? That's too bad. That really is too bad. I genuinely, I feel bad for the guy because he's a good guy. He's just in a tough situation, but he's a good person at heart. And for that reason, I feel bad for him. You know, you've seen those situations before when you see guys coaching or whatever. Yeah, this is not that situation. Bobby Petrino is not that nice guy. I don't know. Sometimes these things happen to people who deserve it. Finally, in college football, we also learned that a University of Utah running back is struggling, apparently, with a part of life that most of us just take for granted. Here's a question for you, Daily Dose listener. Do you have a routine when you go to bed? Maybe, I don't know. You get undressed. Maybe you lay your clothes out for the next day. Maybe you make your lunch for the next day. Maybe you go brush your teeth, kiss the dog, pat your significant other on the head, whatever it is that you do. Well, Utah running back Zach Moss, he needs to get a routine because something's going on with his whole go-to-bed routine. They are saying that running back Zach Moss injured his knee when it locked up on him while he was getting into bed. I'm not making this up. That is what Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham told reporters about his knee injury. Here's his quote. It could have been a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. There's just no way to tell. Wait, there actually is one way to tell. 
When did his knee lock up on him? When did he start having this knee injury? Because whenever that was, that's how you tell. This is very weird. I don't know what in the world is going on at Utah. It makes me feel like they're hiding something or I don't know what's going on. No timeline was given on Moss's return. And there are reports coming out this week saying his season might be over. Whittington even said the running back may have played his final game for Utah. I'm not sure what is really going on at Utah and what is going on with Zach Moss, but it makes me think that if they're telling us he injured his knee going to Betty by the real story. Oh, it must be much, much worse than that because why else would you be hiding it? Hey, coming back, we saw a major trade in the NBA this weekend. What did we learn from that? And a college basketball coach adds yet another win to his already impressive resume. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, and I hate to bring this up, I really do, but Christmas is coming quickly. I know you don't want to think about that, but it is coming quickly. You might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. November's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Laboratory. Some truths can only be found under a microscope. Countless experiments in the Loot Crate Laboratory have yielded a collection of cutting-edge gear that exists beyond mortality. Are you ready for the next step? Hey, November's Loot Crate theme features items from Bioshock, Westworld, and Better Call Saul. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate. You can choose from a huge selection of crates. You can pick a monthly subscription of crates that you can order or skip every single month if you like what they're offering. Or you can just go over to Loot Crate and pick individual items to order. And trust me, they have just about any franchise you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, just be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning into the Daily Dose each and every day. So let's continue with what we learned from the weekend in sports. And we're going to shift over to the NBA because we learned that the Minnesota Timberwolves are finally done fooling around with disgruntled guard Jimmy Butler. They ship him off to Philadelphia for good, solid young players, Robert Covington and Dario Sarch. Now, this is a high-risk, high-reward trade for the 76ers. Covington and Sarch, they're good young players. They have given Philadelphia some versatility with what they can do. And don't forget, if Philadelphia can't get Butler signed to a long-term deal, he could just leave. So they could have given away two good young players for something that's never going to come to fruition. And think about this. Jimmy Butler has so far played for two teams, right? He has complained about both of those teams. He has hated them both. Now, maybe the 76ers are going to be paradise for Jimmy Butler. Maybe this is just going to put him right in his comfort zone. It's just how he always dreamed the NBA would be. Yeah, somehow I doubt that's what's going to happen. But Philly is off to a slow start. Maybe adding another all-star veteran guard to their lineup with Joel Embiid, with Ben Simmons, with J.J. Redick does help them pick things up and get going in an Eastern Conference where they should be a contender, but they haven't looked like a contender so far. We'll see if this trade gets the 76ers going. On the other side, 
Minnesota goes back to being what? I don't know, scrappy, underachieving. I have no idea. I mean, you still have Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins as the two key components on your roster. The problem for that situation is that those are two talented guys that don't always play very hard and don't always look like they care that much about playing that hard. And for that reason, I don't know where this leaves Minnesota. It gives them some good young players if they can do anything with that. Maybe they just looked at it and said, hey, this is the best we're going to get. Jimmy Butler is not going to work out here. Let's ship him off and let him be someone else's problem. I think that is why they finally came to that decision because they just didn't think they could make things work with Butler. Hey, Philly, now it's your problem. And also, in the East, you don't have any more excuses because now you have Jimmy Butler. Now you have yet another piece. You might want to go out there and start competing with the Bostons and the Torontos and the Milwaukee's and see, are you truly going to be one of those big dogs over in the East where we know there's not that many big dogs over there? Finally, in college basketball, we learned that former Connecticut National Championship winning coach Jim Calhoun is not done coaching. Nearly seven years since he last appeared on the sideline, Calhoun coached a basketball game in Connecticut on Friday nights. No, wasn't the Connecticut Huskies. He led the University of St. Joseph to a win in its first ever men's game. Yes, the legendary former UConn coach, who is actually third on the career wins list among active coaches, he returns to the sideline as the head coach at a Division III university. He watched his team come back for a 79-74 to victory over William Patterson. Now, the University of St. Joseph has an enrollment of about 900 students. They just went co-ed for the first time this year. They just had undergraduate males arrive on campus in August. The school had actually planned on adding just 50 males, but thanks to what many people have said around the campus, the Jim Calhoun effect, that number nearly doubled. They added about 100 male students, and St. Joseph students, many of them female, were in attendance for the game on Friday night. They wore t-shirts that said, Our House which is interesting because they actually weren't even playing in a gym that is theirs. But the building was sold out as people were excited to see Jim Calhoun get back on the sideline and start coaching again. Hey, here's the thing. A lot of people will look at this situation and they'll say, what is Calhoun doing? Why is he trying to go out and coach this little school? But hey, coaching is coaching. It doesn't matter where you are. If Calhoun can go help some kids at this level, there's no scholarships at D3. He is just taking kids and teaching them the game and teaching them how to play at a high level. Hey, that is truly what it's all about. That is the love of the game. Got to be happy for that. You have to be happy knowing Calhoun probably got out there and was just like, hey, I am right back where I belong. It is tough to walk away from coaching. I say that having firsthand experience. It's not easy to do that. Seeing Jim Calhoun back on the sideline and getting a win at a school that probably has no business getting a win. They just got male students. That's pretty impressive stuff. Who knew that Calhoun was going to get that going again? Hey, tomorrow on the show, we just might have something a little different for you this week. We are now a little over the midpoint of the NFL season. We might need to have a friend stop by and kind of discuss which teams are in the hunt and which teams we can go ahead and stick a fork in because they are done. 
Might have to do that later this week. Hey, I say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose on your Monday. For all of you that share the show, for all of you that text us, that message us, thank you so much. It is appreciated. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Monday.